I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we're talking about how to recognize and combat cybercrime. Here with me is Let's Tech shareholder, Gary Newton. Gary is my boss, and I've worked with him you know, very closely over the last few months. And so this, I'm excited for this one, but Gary, can you please tell everyone about yourself and what you do here? Well, that's the, that's kind of a lot of pressure there, Jack, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm a shareholder, but also a chief technology officer for our clients. So I have an engineering background and have been in the managed services provider services or outsourced IT services for over 30 years. Over 30 years. Yeah, I was going to say that's a running running joke I like to tell you is how long you've been doing this. Yes, downstairs. It's quite the joke in terms of how old Gary is or Gary's seat is at the front so you can see the screen. You went to school for engineering? That's right. I have an electrical engineering degree from University of Rochester. Electrical engineering. And electronics that, engineering. Electronics sorry. engineering. Awesome. So you've been involved in technology for your entire life. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, we're talking about cybercrime today. I know that that is that's kind of a broad topic. I know that that encompasses a lot of different things. But can you give us kind of a brief synopsis of what cybercrime is, the different facets of it, and how it affects people? How much time you got, Jack? Well, we'll see. 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> cybercrime, you know, cyber is the new marketing fancy word for, you know, bad guys right. trying to steal information or cause havoc in your life. Cyber criminals, when you think of it, you think of a bad guy in that dark hoodie that's mm-hmm. on the TV commercials that scare everybody. Peering in your window. That's right. Of, yeah. the, the guy lurking in the parking lot that's going to attack you. Right. I want you to change that, and I want you to think about a 14-year-old that's crossing that house right there out the window that's bought how to be a ransomware expert <laughs> and, make a, years old. and making a business unit out of it using the dark web that teaches him how to become a criminal. There are conferences every year where the criminals get together and discuss strategies. I've been to a hacker conference that would scare you of what they teach. You've been to, to you've been to a conference that talks about what they teach, or you've been to one with the criminals. Both. Really? They and your badges that are on your shirts allow you to have your picture taken or not. I was able to go with a government official to one of those conferences no and, way. And, and observe from afar what was going on, and my my mind was blown. Of what they cover. No way. So you were kind of undercover. Well, they're so bold, they don't care. They feel like they're untouchable. Wow. How long ago was that that you went? Last year. No kidding. That's incredible. And so, what were some of the things that they talked about? I mean, what do they, you know, what are the conversations like there? I guess they taught how to hack into phone systems. They talk how to how to hack into embedded systems like your coffee pot. They they taught and actually hacked into the Wi-Fi network of the facility that they were posting at. Mm. Some had mothers who brought their kids who were at the conference there because it's a business. Wow. You need to understand this is a business. And when you hear the word dark web, to give you an analogy, and a lot of our clients have gotten this speech from me, is that you think of eBay and services, right? right. And Amazon. Right. You can visualize that. You can understand payment system and the maturity and operational maturity of all that from the from how you search for something and how you pay for something and how you get it. Right. All of that exists for everything bad in the world called the dark web. I want you to think about a parallel universe of eBay Mm -hmm. that you can buy anything on the face of the earth that your mind could dream about that's horrible. And it's been commoditized in that way, including how to become a cyber criminal and how to make money 
using ransomware. Oh, what is it? Torrent? Is that what they what, what it can be used Bit to access torrent, the dark? Torrent is you know those yeah. are all those are all fancy ugly words that people make up to, to access the how web, right? how do I dupe my end user onto clicking on something right to give me access to install software right right okay. and then some automated process goes and does a bunch of things and they exploit Microsoft's operating systems for flaws that allows them to spread it like a virus. So let's use this as an opportunity. If if your IT provider tells you that you need to patch or update, mm -hmm. listen to them and do that, right? Yeah, I would call those are the basics. Right. Probably the most valuable thing is the biggest enemy that we have to cybersecurity at this point happens to be between the keyboard and the chair. The user. Correct. Got it. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. Why are they the biggest threat? They're typically the most uneducated of how smart the bad guys are at tricking you to do something. Okay. They mimic an email that came from Microsoft saying, hey, this is really important. I need your credentials to do something. Right. And I can tell you by processing 200 plus service tickets today at our help desk that unfortunately people get busy and unfortunately get tricked into giving away their credentials. And depending on the permissions of those credentials, you've essentially given the bad guys the key to your car. And they can access your car without you knowing it remotely. Right. So it's I'm sitting there working and I get an email from someone that Docu looks like Gary Newton. DocuSign, or Microsoft. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Or, Newton or says, hey, Gary, or, hey, Jack, uh, you know, quick, I need your credentials. Take care of this. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, boom, I just gave them the key to the front door, mm -hmm. essentially. And the basic ones, the cheap ones that I call the cheap ones are right. the ones where you got this you get a, uh, email from your boss that says, hey, I need you to go buy $1,000 worth of gift cards right now. I'm giving these away at the sales meeting in three hours. Please go do it. And it looks like it came from the boss. Right. And they say, oh, I, could you send me pictures of those too? And, and if admin just, they're used to doing what they're told, they do it. And they just gave away all the gift cards to the bad guy. And now he's going on a shopping spree at Amazon. Have I told you this story about my girlfriend a couple months ago? I don't think so. Oh, this is fantastic. Hannah, I'm sorry, but I have to share this. This is too good. So, you know, she she doesn't know any better because she's not involved in IT. And before I was working for Lutz Tech, I wouldn't have known either, right? I didn't know that this was as as prevalent as it is. But she texted me one day a couple of months ago and said, hey, this is so bizarre, my boss has just emailed me and, and said, hey, I need you to go do me a favor and go buy some gift cards, right? Same exact scenario. And I'm not kidding, this was a couple of months ago. And I was like, that's bizarre. And I said, well, call him. She goes, well, no, he said he didn't, he's normally not available. And he said he didn't have time to talk on the phone right now. I go, bing, that's it. I go, that is a scam. Don't do it, this is crazy. She goes, are you serious? Why, I mean, I don't understand why. And I'm like, that email is not him. I promise, ask other people or send that to another of your superiors there at work and say, hey, this is going around. And someone had confirmed, they're like, yeah, that's happened to us before. It's a spoofing email. And and so I was I felt lucky and thankful that I was, you know, doing what I've been doing the last few months. I was able to tell her, no, that is you know, sound the alarm. That is something. And those are the basic ones. You know, those yeah. are the easy ones. And right. you know, in the news today, I'll reference a couple things. If you're news savvy, Universal Health Services owns about four hundred facilities across the country and they even have stuff around the world. Mm -hmm employ 90,000 people and treat about 3.5 million patients per year was hit with ransomware. And we'll talk a little bit more about what ransomware means. Right. More personal and close to home, Right. you might have noticed in the last five days, UNMC was posting things in the news that, hey, they had an outage and they had to reschedule your patient's records. And right. The, the latest update that I just read on the internet, strangely enough, the IT team had to use the word backup and restore it. That totally implies that 
somebody or somehow they got ransomware on the network mm -hmm. and the data was encrypted and they had to restore back to a point in time to recover from it. If you don't have a good backup solution, then you're faced with having to try to pay the cyber criminals ransomware or untraceable money, bitcoins, Bitcoin, to right. them to get your data back. And let's be clear, it's about making money. They really don't care about your records that much. Right. They can make a whole lot more money quickly by selling the ransomware attack and going on to the next victim. So let's talk about that then. In the scenario that, is that attack present itself in, in the, a similar way as, as one of those emails we talk about where someone unknowingly gives up credentials? I mean, how one does- One of the ways, one the of most the ways. common, that's one of the most common ways. It's the easiest for them. Got it. The easiest way for them to infiltrate the networks by using social methods to get it. You're the easiest target. So that's what people talk about when they say social engineering. Mm -hmm. They have a conversation, somehow get some credentials out of you. They have access to the network, and then they crypto locker, they you know ransomware lock down their files so they can't access them. And right? crypto locker is a one of the types of ransomware that's out there. Initial stages of ransomware didn't target your backups. The most current versions of ransomware actually encrypt your files, and then they look for backup repositories of your backups and try to encrypt those too. Well, and let's talk about why encrypted backups is such a big deal. I mean, you know, obviously if I can't access the file I want to right now, that's a bummer, but it's not as dangerous as the backups getting encrypted. Why? Because if you lost your backups, you'll be faced with the only way to get your data back is to pay the ransom. And those can be from thousands of dollars to millions of dollars. And the amount of time it takes to recover from something like that and sometimes they're unrecoverable. I've been involved with five or six major ones of those, some that aren't even our clients, right. that have been asked to consult and say, would you do me a favor? We need an expert to, to can tell us how to walk down the path of what we should do first, second, third to get out of this situation. Right. And they paid the ransom, got the key and the files. There was a system problem. And when they, they tried to unencrypt it, the files were corrupted. So they uh. still didn't get all their files back, even though they paid the ransom. And there is no money back guarantee with the bad guys. <laughs> they, you mean to tell me they don't say, but hey, if this doesn't work, call or, me, call this number. Yeah. They won't work with you to no, make sure your no, files they really, they really don't care. And I've tried to play games with them before. <laughs> I've, I've negotiated with the terrorists a couple times. And uh, I yeah, said, right. hey, I want you to prove that you can give me, I want you to give you that one server. And the guy was smart enough to go, no, I know that's a SQL server. Pick a different one. It's like, mm. that was yeah. the only server I didn't have a good backup of. I mean, they're pretty bright. And again, I'm not kidding. They could be a 13-year-old across the street. Right. Well, that's, I was just imagining you on one end of a computer and a 13-year-old on the other end, like responding with JK, like <laughs> W-A-T, what are you talking about, Gary? <laughs> like, I'd need a translator with my yeah, yeah. I'd have to get you guys involved to help me figure out what all these acronyms <laughs> mean. Oh, that's crazy. So what are ways that you can prevent that? I mean, what are some of the things, steps that people can take to avoid this situation? Well, you would also ask, you know, what ways do they get in the door? Right, yeah. You know, day number one was I ask you for the key. Mm -hmm. And some people are unfortunate enough to give them the key. Right. You can answer that however you want, but they literally will just do that. Sure. In addition, when they do it once, they're typically targeted to do it and we'll do it again. We do social engineering testing and we've seen that the same people who make the mistake right. repeatedly make it. Right. We so, have ways of, of testing the environment and like running, you know, sending out fake emails that we know aren't dangerous. We do programs that run right. a whole year that try to reduce the frequency of the bad guys. You'll get a report every month. They'll tell you, here's the people who failed the Facebook, DocuSign, all we have ways of imitating how they're trying to steal information right. and can give coaching examples of that. The next layer is we work with some banking clients and the federal auditors to test to see whether or not you do good or bad stuff. The guys will drive through the banking parking lots and they'll throw thumb drives out the, out the window as they drive through the parking lot. What do you do when you find a thumb drive? 
you destroy or throw it away. No. What, what do people, people do? People normally plug it in and see people what's on it. People walk yeah. right through the front door, past right. all of your expensive cybersecurity servers, and you plug it directly into the USB port in your PC, and you just installed right. software that allows them to remotely control, and they just bypass all your security. Right. That's another common way that people can get into a network. The third way is the way you describe it. You know, Microsoft can't be per perfect with their software. So there are holes or flaws within the code that unfortunately some loser individual sits and spends time trying to figure out how do I break down the code to find a flaw in the code right. that allows them to, if you have Adobe of this version, I can go exploit this. Or if Microsoft isn't patched to this level, i.e. a terminal server, mm -hmm. they'll remote in and take control and kick off the same types of things. And ransomware is by far the number one cyber security type event that's occurring on it's happening every day right. you might see it on the news once or twice a week literally it's happening every day are they now when i say they i mean the 14 year olds behind a keyboard but mm -hmm. are, are the the cyber criminals are they specific about who they target you know yes. is it financial institutions money. health okay money they're targeting msps because they they have more to lose they're targeting accounting companies sure they're targeting Healthcare, right? Issues, as I told you about, that, those are those are big money things. So they the, who has the who has the revenue to pay the ransom and who has the biggest risk. So, do you know or do you have any insight to? Is it more domestic criminals or is it overseas? I, you know, you hear you hear Russia, you hear about you always, Russia all the time. I just, I would say, you know, yes, you hear a lot. I don't have the statistics on the percentages of overseas or not. I can tell you that the, the firewalls and services that we recommend more provide geo-blocking so that attacks cannot come from anywhere except the United States, but there's still plenty of attacks that are occurring in the United States. And the bad guys can connect overseas and then take control of a PC in the US and then attack you anyway. So, but in general, right. I, I don't have any statistics that would let me to break down. I'm sure they're out there. I just don't have knowledge. Because the idea, I feel like, or the picture that's painted in our heads is that there's this. Now, you know, you talk, there are, I'm sure there are situations where this is true, but a group of Russians sitting in a building somewhere trying to hack into your stuff. But I mean, so there's not really a here or there as far as of knowing who is actually well, going in. It's interesting you talk about cybersecurity. There's typically a red team and a blue team. Okay. There's two teams that are trying to go at each other. One guy's trying to hack their way into the networks, and mm -hmm. there's games about this. Right. I mean, they literally have a game, a contest. They put guys in the room, and they, they try to hack each other's network, and the other team is trying to what? Stop them from getting in. So right. you typically are on one side of the fence to the other from an educational perspective. Of, Am I going to be the guy that's going to try to stop you from getting in, or are you the guy that sits in the dark room trying to get in? Right, and they pick two paths. That's kind of where they're. So we're telling people, world. we're trying to tell people now they need to choose between the the, the light and the dark, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> choose the good or the bad, yeah, right? We think. Of, yeah. So what can well what can people do? I mean, we talk about all the scary you mm -hmm. know effects of of cybercrime and ransomware and crypto locker and those kinds of things. How can you prevent it? What can you do? Step one: need to have passwords that are twelve to sixteen characters in length for everything in your life. And so my high school mascot. Everybody just and my groaned. high school number yeah, yeah, isn't correct. Yeah, yeah. everybody's gonna groan. Oh God! Didn't it really right. say sixteen character notes? He told me twelve in person. Right. Well, there's mathematical algorithms that dictate how fast the bad guys can use software to to figure out your password. Right. So twelve to sixteen makes them pick on the next guy next door. Right. The next is two factor authorization on everything. Banks have been using this forever. That you have to have a second factor. I know my password. I know my name. And I have my phone confirm that you are who you say you are. Mm -hmm. Multi-factor authentication, I'd say you want to turn it on for everything you possibly can. It is not the answer all. It's not perfect. It has flaws. But again, 
you're mitigating risk, right? right? And then after those two things, you're getting into making sure that if you're an owner of a business or an office manager, or you're a person of influence on a, on a, on a company, that are we taking best practices to make sure our hardware for security is up to date, that it's not too old? Is it reviewed on some type of a regular basis? And a regular basis for somebody who's doing some pretty high-end stuff might be monthly. They might have a dedicated person that's doing it every day. Right. Others might be quarterly. Month might be once a year. Everyone has to mitigate their risk and decide, okay, if that system was gone for the next three days, like that hospital, right. what's that cost me? Some businesses say, Gary, I can recover from that's okay. Mm-hmm. If I had to wait for three, four days, no big deal. If I'm trading money on loans, mm-hmm. that's not acceptable. So you have to kind of judge your level of insurance right. of what you need to have in place to protect against things like that. It's pretty interesting you bring up the, the idea of risk and risk mitigation and, and what your tolerance of risk mm-hmm. is because I've had multiple conversations with Ashley, with Justin. I mean, we had podcasts where we discussed, you know, a startup and expenses that you can experience when you have a startup. We had a, a podcast that we talked about, you know, if you're, if you're starting a new business, what to do. And it was more qualitative, who you surround yourself with kind of thing. All of these conversations end up going back to identifying your risk tolerance, mm-hmm. because then you can kind of tailor your, I'd say, defensive needs in terms of IT or people you surround yourself with based on how tolerant you are of, of risk. Yeah, and I'm gonna put a plug in for MSP services in general. Right. You're a business owner and you may have an internal person that's trying to help manage the PCs as, 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 an, as a service person. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm also the accountant, but I also have to fix the PCs when they break and I might call for help once in a while. Right. You're probably at the most risk because you don't have someone managing the network that's exposed to the things that are happening every day like I do. Right. Uh, an MSP or a managed services provider is someone that, you know, I'm exposed to hundreds of networks every day and thousands of different bad guys trying to do things. So we're pretty in the know of what's happening. And we have experts that we reference. You know, we're not a managed security provider, but we're partnered with managed security providers that can give us experts, the guys that's, that their full-time job is to do nothing but try to protect the networks and tell you how to make them better. Right. And, Having an access to that that resource pool is what allows you as a business owner to have peace of mind and go to sleep tonight going, I can't get you 100% secure. Mm -hmm. And people get mad about that, but I sit there and go, if the Pentagon cannot secure their own information, what makes you think a small business can? Right. You you can't spend enough money. So again, it's about mitigating risk and then having the conversations as a team that says, when that's not working, what is our, God forbid, you know, I joke with the guys in art, you know, there's this thing called a phone. You pick it up and you talk to somebody <laughs> to ask them a question. Right. And this thing's called a paper and a pencil. Yeah, and, you know, right. Could we manually operate, right. you know, without texting or, or chatting or, you know, c- can you run your business in a disaster recovery mode? Modeling that through and thinking that through and talking to your, your IT people about, you know, what is our strategy for this pandemic? Mm-hmm. You know, the cyber stuff right now, you know, the, the companies who had leveraged mobile computing and had mature offerings for, for their technology had a much easier time continuing to work easily, remotely. Mm-hmm. Lutz really didn't miss a beat mm-hmm. as a company with seven business units. Because of the investment that they have made in technology, we were allowed to disperse really easy. And our technology allowed us to work very effectively. Some businesses 
and some are out of business today because they weren't able to adapt fast enough or still can. Right. Well, let's let's talk about that then. I mean, the idea that you need someone that you trust in your circle of helping manage, make decisions for your business mm -hmm. that is either an IT professional or a company that provides IT services. Mm -hmm. Do you think that an MSP can truly offer the insight, and, and this is, you know, I'm kind of setting myself up here to, for, to hit a home run on this one, but we'll see to, to you know, <laughs> to offer the insight and the comfortability that they're providing enough advice and guidance that an IT person would, a dedicated IT professional, because not all companies can afford bringing in a CTO. That they can't, but I think they can afford a physical. Right. And so when you hire a security expert and, you know, having your MSP audit themselves, it's not a good idea. Sure. And I think those are self-evident of why you wouldn't do that. You know, having somebody come to go and just, hey, I'm going to give an, an independent opinion of what the current condition of our stuff is that says, you know, how are we doing? Are our backups, is our, is our patching at the right level? What is our security posture? That's where you start. Right. And we don't do that service. We provide consultation of what the best practices are by mm -hmm. our, the standards. But the, the managed security providers... They can come in independently because they have to do it for all the banks all the time and go, here's what it comes with. And you'll say, well, what does something like that cost? Depending on the sophistication, you won't like my answer. Some you can get a really good answer, a, a, a vulnerability scan for $1,000 to $3,000 and get a report. And some cost $20,000 depending on the complexity of your network right. and what you want checked out. But at least it give you a, hey, Jack, go jog a couple blocks and quit eating the donuts and we're good. <laughs> okay. You know? Or, you know what, Jack? We're checking. We're put. We're taking you upstairs, and we're going to have open heart surgery right now. I mean, we can give you analogies that yeah. let you know. Thanks. Because because our world right is so yeah. full of these acronyms. You're going. I heard all these words, and is that good or bad? Right. Right. You hear all these acronyms right. every day, but there are some best practices, and we let's have a free tip sheet mm -hmm. of the 25 best common practices that would help you have a, a better security posture. Right. And take the mystery and the scariness out of it. Going. Mitigate your risk. There's some things are free. Password changing is free. Multi-factor is typically free. Other things are not free mm -hmm. to secure your network. But we can help you at least to identify how to take basic steps. Well, let's get that. Let's get that checklist because I know I go through it all the time with my clients. But let's get that checklist attached to the podcast. I think that would be a good resource for people be, to have. Be glad to do. We'll also include the definitions, and that would allow them to because right. these words might not mean anything. But we've actually put a paragraph description of what this means, right? And then it also allows them to see. We have a, a matrix that shows the most highest benefit for the right. least cost. Right. So it, it kind of tells you, hey, you should do one, two, four, and nine first. Mm -hmm. Get those done. They're free. Then we can focus down, and we kind of try to coach our clients through that process to try to demystify this. Awesome. Well, hey, I really appreciate the physical fitness example you had. Do you to like use. that? Yeah, I feel a little bit attacked, but <laughs> we'll be all right. Hey, do you think has COVID led to an increase or decrease in cybercrime? I mean, from your perspective, I think the bad guys know more, more, more vulnerable. Yeah. So I'd say yes, because the remote computing has increased the security vulnerability. So when everybody went home, now we're using home computers for work. Right. I think data leakage and data being in the wrong places and access to data has probably increased. I, I would say yes, it has right. increased as a result. Interesting. Well, Gary, I appreciate your time today. Do you have anything else? 
No, just thank you for having me. And hopefully we provided you some insights into what's happening with the bad guys. And ransomware definitely is the biggest risk today. And it really has been for probably the last three to four years. It hasn't changed to being the, the number one thing that's when you hear cybercrime, when you sift it all the way down the bottom, typically someone has encrypted files and someone wants a ransom. Sure. So if you're curious about your own cybersecurity, look into it. Maybe find a managed service provider. Maybe call Jack. Out. Yeah, maybe call me. Thanks. See ya. Take care. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.